You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. I always thank God when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith you have toward Jesus. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. everyone. Uh, my name is Matthew McBirth. I'm so happy to be with you this morning um, from a distance, not just physically, but um, in time as well. I'm coming to you, as you can tell, uh, behind me maybe, uh, from a classroom. And that kind of shows a little bit about who I am. I work at Ozark Christian College. I serve here um, in two different roles. Uh, one of the roles is the director of the Multicultural Affairs Department here. I've been doing that for the last uh, four years. And I also have the opportunity of serving here as a full-time professor. Um, I have a wife I've been married to uh, for five years now. And we have um, a little boy who is three. And we have another um, girl who is on the way. Um, and just so excited to be able to um, get into the Word this morning with you. One of my heroes in a faith is a man named Dr. John Perkins. Dr. Perkins is someone who um, walked alongside with people like Dr. King during the Civil Rights Movement fighting for racial justice and freedom in the world. And still to this day, his voice is so prophetic, calling for the church to be a place of unity underneath the name of Jesus where people from all different walks of life, no matter the color of your skin, your ethnic background, or where you are at in the city, that the church can be a home for you. He talks about the story of one time whenever he experienced oppression. He's someone who experienced a lot of this growing up in um, the Deep South during the times of Jim Crow. And he talks about this one time when he was protesting against the wrongful arrest of one of his peers and himself was arrested. And while um, under arrest with the authorities, he was beaten. And he talks about this altercation of when he was beaten so violently that he thought he was going to die. He says that he looked up into the people who were hurting him and beating him, and it says that he says that he felt like he was looking at the face of monsters beating him and trying to kill him. But then he talks about this revelation that he had during this moment. He saw something that was interesting. He looked into their eyes, and he saw something startling. He saw that their eyes look similar to his eyes. Now, not in the sense of the same color or the same shape, but he saw that the way that they were looking at him was the same way that he felt and that he looked at them. 
they were looking at him with hatred, with indifference for his life, seeing that his life was meaningless. And he felt the same exact way for them. And it was after that moment where he realized that it wasn't okay. That it wasn't okay to look at people through fear and through hatred and through, and, and through just pure indifference, but to see them the way that God sees them. See, in our world today, it's very easy to look at people through a lens of selfishness. We see people who are not our family, or people who are just strangers, people who are neighbors to us, and we see their lives as meaningless, as if it's just not valuable to our, uh, in, our, in our perspectives and our opinions. But what we see in scripture is that in the kingdom of God, we are supposed to seek the well-being of our neighbors actively and to see them as our family. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. That's going to be our passage for today. And this passage shows us that there are three different characteristics of what it looks like for a Christian to seek the well-being of their neighbors actively and therefore to see them as their family. This is what Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37 says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took up two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus, coming out of the story, says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So what are the three different characteristics that we see of Christians who actively seek the well-being of their neighbors? The first characteristic is this. Christians who seek the well-being of our neighbors are compassionate. They are compassionate. I want you to notice the immediate difference between the three different people who come on the road. Okay. It says that the priest came and he sees the man half dead, but he passes by on the other side. The Levite says that he came near the man, sees him, and yet still passes by on the other side. But the Samaritan comes near to the man, sees him, and Jesus says he has compassion for him. He has compassion. The Samaritan, who is the surprising hero of this story, surprisingly looks a lot like Jesus. When you read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus 
is a man of compassion. This happens in several different ways. Um, one time, or, or there's one guy where he sees a large group of people, and instead of just telling them to go on and go, 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 go get their own food, it says that he has compassion for them. He listens to people who are normally not listened to. He invites the children to come to him and doesn't dismiss them away. Whenever he's walking by blind beggars, when the disciples tell the blind beggar to stop talking, Jesus says, no, let them come to me and listens to them. Jesus also notices the people that society doesn't want to notice. For example, think about the story of the woman who is at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, someone who would have been despised and shamed. He notices her. Or the same thing with the story of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. It says that she comes up to him, touches the end of his garment. He turns around, notice that power has come out of, out of him, and he calls her daughter of God. He notices her. Jesus has compassion upon him. Compassion is the action of seeing and hearing our neighbors and emotionally caring for them. The second characteristic that, that Christians who seek the well-being of our neighbors, they do it actively. They do this actively. I want you to notice that um, the, the Samaritan, when he comes to the man, he does six different things, okay? six actions, six verbs that it says. Listen to this list. It says he went to the half-dead man, he bound his wounds, he poured oil and wine on them, he set him on his own animal, he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. You see, Christians understand that we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. Christians know the golden rule. Love others. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. But we need to remember, love is not just a noun. Love is not just an adjective. Love is a verb. It is active. And this takes us to the third characteristic. The third characteristic of Christians who seek the well-being of our neighbors is that they look like Jesus. They look like Jesus. The word in the Greek used for compassion here is splachnitsomai. It just rolls right off the tongue, right? This word gets at having an emotional, heartfelt response. It's, it's seeing someone and having pity for them, but then it also provokes action. It provokes wanting to help and therefore seek the well-being of them. During the time of Jesus, the word also meant it could symbolize a sacrifice. And I think how fitting of that, that the most compassionate man to ever walk this earth gave up his own life, sacrificed his own life for this not innocent world. In seeking the well-being of our neighbors, it may require us to sacrifice some things. Maybe that means sacrificing your time. Listen, I know the statements, I know the phrases, you know, time is money, time is a commodity. And we wanna be very useful and we want to be good stewards of our time, but maybe God is asking you to sacrifice your time in order to love your neighbor. Maybe that means sacrificing your own resources. Maybe instead of using all the money that you just earned, you ask the Lord, hey, how can I give up some of this to help the people around me who are in need? Maybe that means sacrificing not just your time or your resources, but maybe it's sacrificing your own pride, sacrificing your own selfishness 
to think about what others are in need of. And church, please hear me when I say this. I am not saying this is easy. Shoot, I, I struggle with this on a daily basis. When I just think about my own needs, my own family's needs. But what I love about this story, about this teaching, is that Jesus is not asking us to do something that he hasn't already done for us. He is inviting us to walk in step with the Spirit and to seek the well-being of our neighbors actively. See, in Jesus' kingdom, we seek the well-being of our neighbor actively because we are to see them as our family. We've talked a lot about this first part of seeking the well-being of our neighbors actively, but we're missing one of the last characteristics of what a Christian looks like who does this. If you were to ask the question, of all the different metaphors used for the church in the New Testament, which one is used the most? You can see a, a plethora of them. Citizens of heaven, a city on a hill, uh, the church is the bride of Christ, a kingdom of priests, God's ambassadors. But the most used metaphor for the church is family. It's sisters, it's brothers, it's mothers, it's fathers, it's beloved. So what we see is that when we come into the church, our lenses change. We don't see through selfishness and pride and hatred or seeing people as indifferent or meaningless. We see them as family. They are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the beautiful thing is this, if they're not yet part of the family of God, they have every potential to be so. And so we treat them accordingly. We see this in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. Listen to this, Acts 2, 42 and then 44 and 47. It says, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And listen to this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So... What are we supposed to do with this new perspective of seeing strangers as neighbors, as seeing people as meaningless, now as invaluable, as family? Let me give you two practices that you can do in order to make this happen. First practice is this. When you see someone at church, when you see your literal neighbor like on your block, or when you see a stranger who doesn't live in your vicinity of the city, in your, in your mind, tell them or remind yourself that this is my beloved brother. This is my beloved sister. And create a culture at your church where you call yourselves by these names. I know that might sound cliche or might sound kind of corny, saying, hey, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. But the beautiful thing is that that is truly who they are to you. They are beloved family members, and therefore they should be treated accordingly. Second practice you can do, when someone you know is in need, stop and ask God, what can I do to help them? And then just follow through on that, okay? This could be as simple as writing an encouraging note. Now this means sacrificing our time. But sitting down, writing a note, sending it to them, say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're not going through this alone. I'm here with you. 
This may be making a dinner or a meal train because someone has not had the energy or the focus to be able to do that because of what's going on in their lives at that moment. This might be providing transportation to someone who, hey, they're trying to get a job, they just got one, but they don't have transportation, and you're saying, hey, I'm gonna help you with this. Can we come alongside and make sure that you can get there and back? Or this can be simply as saying, hey, the Lord is blessing me right now. Can I go half on a utility bill for you this month? Can I help you with this bill? The Lord's blessing me. I just want to be able to use it to bless you. See, in Jesus' kingdom, we seek the well-being of our neighbors actively because we are to see them as our family. So church, I want to end with how Jesus ends this teaching in Luke 10. He tells the lawyer, go and do likewise as this compassionate Samaritan. So church, let's go and do likewise.